Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now. All right. So welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast and video as we are today. I'm very excited about my guest, Jim Carr. And uh, just so for the record early on, K-A-R-R-H is the spelling of that. And, yes, Karen, uh, it's been suggested that I buy a vowel, but I never got <laughs> So the, part of the reason why I'm excited about this is if you've been listening to some of the recent podcasts um, on the Compassionate Capitalist podcast show, I have been talking about this idea of, of developing trust, of messaging, um, the, the challenges as companies go through the message that they have as startup and scale and how they can be disconnected from their, their, work, their employees internally. Uh, as well as from their external customers as they they lose sight of, of what their message and story is as they grow. So when Jim came to me with his, he has a book, The Science of Customer Connections, Manage Your Message to Grow Your Business. And, you know, the topic, I thought, wow, this fits right in. It's just like another piece of this puzzle of what I'm trying to get not only entrepreneurs that are building businesses to understand so they can build a successful, sustainable business that will produce a return on investment when they exit, but also for the investors that are investing in those as startups and as they grow to stay in touch with what is happening with your company that you're invested in and are they losing sight of their message and how to get that back. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. As I bring Jim on here, let me share this with you. He uses his expertise in marketing communications and buyer behavior to help thousands of professionals talk about their businesses more effectively. He has received national and international rewards as a researcher, corporate marketing leader, teacher, and columnist. He is also a professional speaker, consultant, and a host of his own podcast, which is the Manage Your Message podcast. And he lives in with, lives with his family in Arkansas. So... Welcome to the show, Jim. Oh, here we go. Wait, oh, wait, there you there go. Sorry, go. You, you were thank you. muted. I, All right, good. Yeah, uh, Karen, thank you. And uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. I've been looking forward to our conversation. Um, both you and I had had an opportunity to meet uh, briefly a couple of weeks ago. And I just, I feel like I'm among my people, you know, speaking to, uh, to you and your listeners. So uh, thanks very much. So very good, very good. So Tell us how did you, because there's a lot of knowledge and research that went into putting your book together and your journey. You would share a little bit of that with me earlier. So tell us, how did you get to become this expert in, in messaging for companies? <laughs> Not exactly a straight line, Karen, uh, as yeah. <laughs> often is the case these days. Now, I guess let's kind of state what messaging really means. I think to entrepreneurs, to people who are running a growth business, to investors, um, and, and then it kind of come around to my path and how I think it okay. informs people uh, these days. So very squishy term, right? Messaging. So people will look at it and it means lots of different things to different people, right? Some will think of it's our pitch, it's our tagline, it's our mission right. or statement, um, it's our promotional message. 
value prop, whatever. And it, and it can be any or all of these things. But from what I, uh, over, over time, um, I've really come to focus on where the most opportunity is for your listeners and, and for people trying to establish and grow businesses. And it's in everyday conversations. So not so much the pitch meeting or the demo or, the, or all of that. Yes, those are important. The digital world is important as well. But we know from, from some other good research that more than 90% of word of mouth happens offline. It happens mm-hmm. in more organic conversations. So in the times when we did this before and will again, if we you know, meet in hallways or in community events or whatever, but in business, in a business review or people talking to, to one another about maybe their common interest in investing or entrepreneurship, what are the things that they say to each other? And it comes to a very common frustration and a very common opportunities. How, if I have a great business, I have a great idea, I have a great passion. How do I talk about it? And how do I talk about it in a clear way that can help grow the business? And how can I get other people to talk about it uh, consistently as well? So um, come around to, to my background, and it has a lot to do with what we can talk about today, how I set up the book, the advice I give people. Came to realize that whether it be for a single entrepreneur, or a, a business, any sort of organization. And I've worked with all the way from the, the little ones to Fortune 500 companies. The ones that can best leverage those everyday conversations, the sales team, the service team, whoever, is they've managed to bring three things together in a, in a very intentional way. First is, is the message. So they have a clear customer-focused message that's conversational and understandable and it's not overly technical. The second is they make real efforts around growing their base of messengers. So clearly that can be your salespeople or your executive team or your service teams, but anyway, your current customers or clients, people who know you, influencers, potential investors and friends. And the third is they have developed a set of management habits or practices that keep it fresh and can give them some scale and consistency. So they don't just rely on the founder or the boss to do it all themselves. Um, they don't kind of let say, oh, everybody, you know, you just figure out what works for you and, and we won't touch it, right? In a Darwinian sense, let the best message win. Um, that doesn't work for any enterprise that you're trying to scale. So that's the way I've set it up. And some things we can talk about perhaps today is what's the right message? How do you uh, encourage and feed a system of messengers, of fans, to talk about you? And then what are some habits or practices or at least an approach so you can have more consistency about it. That sounds great. Um, I want to I want to point uh, talk about one a point that you made that I think is really important when in, in the context of raising capital and the messaging. I, I I work with entrepreneurs so often that and even talk about it in um, in uh, some of my tips that I do through the Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Breaks is that. <clears throat> If the investors aren't getting it, then they're, um, it's not their fault. <laughs> and so Correct. sometimes entrepreneurs will be like, I don't understand why these investors just don't get it. And it's like, well, you know, you need to, you need to figure out how to put it from within their perspective, which I'm sure you'll be talking about how you relay that message here in just a minute. But the word of mouth aspect of what you talked about is so critical when it comes to raising capital. And I always tell people that when I'm advising, like, so I was doing a recording because I was supposed to be a speaker at an event on May 8th, but guess what? 
there's not that event. So I was recording a series of videos that they could use in a virtual setting. And one of the, um, and one of the topics on that was that met like when it comes from your elevator pitch, which is a short message that you're trying to engage them. You're not trying to fire hose them, but you're trying to engage them to want to talk to you about what it is you're doing to the first 90 seconds of a pitch to investors to get them to want to listen for the next six to nine minutes. And then after the fact, the goal is not to um, close them on that. The goal is to get them to want to have another meeting. And even more importantly, because I talk about this and I want to go into a lot of detail now, but it's in, my, in both of my books, <clears throat> the one that I have done, Inside Secrets to Angel Investing, and the one I'm working on about scaling your business, and uh, I talk about the Kugaran theory of private equity. It's basically a, a funnel similar to a sales funnel that's a capital funnel. And it's really, really daunting if you understand how many investors you have to talk to in order to get your, your numbers done. And you can't physically really pitch to all of those people, you know, and do that. You have to be dependent on word of mouth. And the only way you get word of mouth going the buzz about your deal is that even if somebody's not specifically interested in that project or that you know opportunity they understand it so the message they understand the opportunity the message came across to them so when they're out playing golf a week later or out at lunch or whatever with people whatever they you know there something comes up in conversation and they can say oh wait I remember a company, so it's memorable, right? But and it, the message was clear, and that's why it's memorable. I remember a company that was talking about that at this event I went, or this thing I saw, or something like this. I should connect you up, and that's how you get the word of mouth going. And I think within the context that you'll probably share here in just a few minutes, is that when it comes to the buyers, I mean, it, word of mouth—that's that's the peer review thing that, that has basically been digitized. But long before that, and, um, you know, we always, we go to our friends first, right? And so yes. people, people within an industry, if they're, if they're IT professionals and they're looking for solutions, they're going to talk to their peers about it as much as anything else and look at the websites, but they always want to get validation from the word of mouth. What have you heard? It's so important. And that messaging is so important. So, you know, expand about on that, on, um, on how you see that uh, change, if you want, from the startup through to the growth stage and the challenges that companies have when they start to get more and more people in the company or more and more products or more and more ways that they're trying to reach customers and they, they lose sight of, of having a, a clear and consistent message. There is a pretty common path or story uh, and you've probably seen this very often, Karen, and so much of it will start out, you say, an entrepreneur or someone who, who has this idea and they're trying to raise money and they're trying to build prototypes and all. And it's a very, it tends to be focused on the technology, their passion, their idea, their core team. And that tends to be the thrust of the message. And it's very common. I've seen it, seen it very often. You want to talk to anyone and everyone. Just, you know, see your idea, what you're working on, all that. And if you don't know somebody, then maybe you know somebody who knows somebody. And it's it's very driven on just energy and passion and say, well, somehow we'll find traction. 
And that's okay to a point, but I find it really is misdirected and, and it causes problems as you go along. So to your point, even when you're pitching your idea, or pitching uh, your innovation and trying to attract investors. Now I've been on the other side of this as well. Investors are certainly evaluating you and your idea and your technology and your competitive strength and your team and all that. But what they're really trying to think is, is there something here that somebody else will buy? Right. It really is. What is this worth investing in it if there's a strong enough, if you're solving a particular problem that's really expensive or risky or um, appealing and uh, you do that in a unique way, then that's worth investing in. But still, it's not just about you or your passion. Do you solve a problem in a unique and right. valuable way that's economically viable? And so uh, the shift that needs to happen is to sometimes get out of our own heads and our own passion and, and our own bubble with, with all of this and begin with real clarity. And this I find all the way from the pitch stage to your growth stage and, and trying to get something that's more sustainable and consistent over time. If you can get everybody with a clear understanding of, first of all, what are the pro what's the problem or the problems that you help solve? I mean, is, this, is it really a, a, a sticky problem? Is it a problem about uh, employee retention? Is it about this? Is it about that? Well, what's the problem that you solve? That's what you want to be known for. And then you need to have, in my mind, a very clear understanding of who is your best customer or client? Like who's a really good fit? And importantly, who's not? Because that's going to be an important yeah. question to get who is this not for? Who's not a good customer or prospect? Who would have problems with it? And if you just think, well, my idea is great and everybody would want it, mm -hmm. that's going to be a little bit more discipline in your thinking, maybe a little more research, a little bit more work. So the problems you solve, whom it works for, who's it's a good fit, and who's was not a good fit. Why that problem is compelling. So why is it expensive or risky? Uh, there's a time urgency about it. So maybe you're trying to hit a regulatory requirement, or maybe there's something important going on in the marketplace. Karen and, and your listeners, it so often can be, I have a good idea, and people will listen to it and say, that's great. Maybe not for me, or we have some other priorities right now, and mm. we got a lot of things on our plate, but you know, maybe something down the road. So got to be uh, where in your conversations and your messaging, you point out the problems with either trying to do it yourself or the status quo or whatever people have been doing. So it's got to feel, got to have the hair on the back of their neck stand up a little bit, saying, right. no, this is a good idea. This is something I need to look at now because making that case for change is super important. And then the last thing I'd say that everyone needs to have alignment on is what makes you unique and different. And, and of course, that can be with your, your technology, it can be with your team, it can be with, with whatever that may be. You won't, you won't be completely unique, but what is it that makes you different in an important way? What I find often is that entrepreneurs and teams approach this in the wrong order. They start with themselves. Here's our Technology is really good. Our passion is really good. Our team is really committed. That's what makes us special. And then they start going out and trying to find problems to solve with their idea, with their with product or solution. So the sequence is really important. And they align very clearly. What problems do you solve? For whom? Who's the best fit? Get that nice, nice focus, especially starting out. What's urgent about them addressing that problem? And then how, finally, are you unique 
with your, with your idea about helping them to solve that problem right away. Great. Yeah, I want to, because it's something popped in my head that, I, you know, it's, I think it's got a little old school maybe, and I think you're going to have a fresh take on it, but I hear a lot of people used to be like, I guess, MBA. Let me just go to MBA school business plans. Okay. That's how old school this is. Um, <clears throat> mission statement, value statements. That's their message. This is what we're all about. This is right. You know, you'll have some companies will have it on their, their entryway, whatever. Yes. And it seems to me the message that you're talking about is, it's somewhat connected to that, but it's different from a mission statement or a value statement, purpose statement that companies may say. So they'll fall back and they think they've got their messaging right to how they're communicating to their employees and this kind of stuff because they got a mission statement. <clears throat> but is it more than just a mission statement when you're trying to do this within your culture and within and your culture without and your place in the marketplace? I'm not saying that mission, vision statements, and that sort of thing have no place, but I can tell you in terms of working with entrepreneurs, being, being a chief marketing officer for a private company uh, that eventually was sold to private equity, um, and then advising sales teams, executive teams across different industries, most mission and vision statements sound the same. <laughs> yeah. Typically committee creations <laughs> get watered down and built by consensus over time in in research for my book i actually looked through there's a thing and if you have insomnia it's <laughs> a book and um and there are probably no surprise to you eight or nine different words that are in almost every <laughs> mission or vision statement it's community sustainability compassion customer whatever world class not that those things, yes, um, not that any of those things are untrue, but it's, again, it's focused on us. It's not focused on the problems that we solve or how we serve people in a unique sort of way. So it's, um, it's, it's focused in the wrong direction. In the same way, it's just so easy to fall into this, this trap of what you think a mission or vision statement ought to sound like or right. what a tagline ought to sound like. Well, we have a world-class transformative platform for so-and-so. Uh, that's not the kind of thing, to your point earlier, Karen, about if two potential investors listen to someone and then you left the room and they say, so what do they do exactly? Yeah. <laughs> what, who, what, are, what are our first 10 customers going to look like? Why would they come to us? Why would they buy from us? Right. So, you know, let's get down to a message which is first and foremost centered on whom we serve and the problems that they have and why there's an important problem and then get to, you know, why we're so great and why we're so passionate and, and what we believe in. Yeah. Now that's not important, but, um, but I, it takes too much focus. I think um, too many, too many people over index on that sort of thing rather than getting very clear about yeah. who's going to buy from them and why to solve which problem. Um, so I, Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Karen. No, well, I was going to say that spot on. That's what I that's what I kind of thought, and you uh, covered it good. And I want to, you have a very interesting, uh, you know, original concept of what you've identified. You're calling them the three C's. I want to get <laughs> let, give you an opportunity to talk about that. Sure. These are sort of like the the warning signs. You know, don't go there, Roy Robinson. Whatever. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, but I want to get, you know, about halfway through here, tell folks, please, if you're, if, if you don't see it in the show notes or you're watching it here, you just, whatever, jimcar.com, J-I-M-K-A-R-R-H.com is uh, where you go get all this information, a lot more information. You got your podcast on there. You got access to your book, a lot of content. So please visit Jim's website to learn more and get in touch with Jim. And also, of course, my website is my name as well, except it's a .co, karenrands.co, not a .com. And you get all of my stuff there as well. All right, so talk about these three Cs. Sure. Because I think it was... It's insightful and uh, humorous. So, (laughs) thank you. And and the the whole thing is designed to, because so many areas about this messaging and how do we talk about the business and can seem, again, very kind of soft and frustrating. I have come to see it as a very manageable business problem. All you need is some simple structures and some habits and processes to try to figure it out. I had a little bit of a light bulb moment a few years ago, Karen. I was I was sitting in a um, in a conference and a bunch of consultant types. And not that that was in itself terribly interesting, but I had occasion to think about my different experiences. What is it, as we talked about before, like what characterizes the entrepreneurs, the companies, the organizations that, that do this well? They stand out because they have a good, consistent message that real people share with one another. And it's because they've managed to get the message and the messengers, their fan base and their management habits right. Not perfect, because it'll never be perfect. Don't worry about trying to be perfect. But if you're pretty good at all three of those things, then you will really stand out. It'll be a growth flywheel for the business. And so I was thinking through um, this light bulb moment and the person was talking about, if you look at those, those different foundations for whatever your area of expertise is, put a label on, think about what happens when one of those pieces is missing or if it's weak. So if you think of this messaging as I do as a three-legged stool, then what happens if you've got a three-legged stool and one of the, one of the legs is weak, you get up on it, you fall in the direction of the weakness. So where would you, where would you find the symptoms of what might be the area to attack first for you if you're not? So, so, and, and I would briefly go through those three C's as you call them and, and kind of why they're a problem and, and what you can do about them. Because fundamentally, it's not that hard. It uh, just takes a little bit of discipline about it. So the first one is commodity. And so the commodity is when there's an issue with your messaging because you have a mission and vision statement that sounds like everybody else. You're using industry speak or lingo or acronyms okay. and, and technical language that doesn't connect. Our brains are usually really good, but our brains work against us in, in this situation because we kind of tend to be in the bubble. We, our brains reward us for talking about ourselves um, in the same way that they light up when we have a great meal or we think about sex, right? It's, it's we're getting <laughs> brain reward. It's true. Uh, brain scientists have, have figured this out. And so we tend to speak in comfortable language around our industry. Or if you're hanging around other entrepreneurs, you tend to talk like that after a while. So the, the speech patterns come up. So if, it, oftentimes the... Um, our very expertise or the people we hang around a lot is causing us, unfortunately, to undercut the value of what we offer, the uniqueness of it, because we sound like everybody else in our, in our bubble. So the thing to do is to get, get, get outside the bubble, um, listen to people who are outside your industry, talk to customers, and, and just try to get some, some different language. 
The second C is crickets. Now, I grew up in a small, small town in the southern half of Georgia, and you go out on a, on a summer late afternoon, and you could hear the crickets chirping because <laughs> nothing else was happening. And I use crickets as the shorthand for growth is hard to come by, uh, whether it be potential investors or potential customers or whatever. It's just hard. And what I find typically is the case, especially when you're trying to get started, is you don't have enough messengers. If it's all down on the founder or the team, and they're the ones who have to find the opportunities, go talk to people, close the deal. Um, if you can get a bigger base of people to help you talk about the business when you're not around, then growth happens much more easily. And so the good news there, what we found out from science, is that most people are actually pretty good at this. You don't have to be an extrovert but you don't have to be a brilliant conversationalist. You don't even have to have a PhD like I do. Um, in fact, uh, you're, you're probably pretty well wired for conversation. Uh, and so are the people around you in your business. Right? You just have to let them know some of these basic things about where you fit, the problems that you solve, do that and, and feed the system. Uh, right. The third one, the third C, I call cowboys. It's kind of the cowboy mentality. Everybody does it on their own. Uh, Karen, I had a, it was one uh, client I was starting to talk to, and uh, he said, you know, around this place, he was really talking about his sales team. He said, Jim, around here, everybody rolls their own. So they're, they're kind of had their own approach. You know, I, have, I know what I know. I do what I do. And it's the cowboy mentality. We love the autonomy of that. But if you're trying to be consistent, if you're trying to really scale what you do, you can't have 10 different people saying 10 different things. And as you were talking um, at the beginning of our conversation, it's about trustworthiness. Everybody wants to be trusted and trustworthy and credible. But the fact is, if, if what's on your website and what's in your demos and the way people talk about you, and, and if, if it's all different, then people won't know what to believe. You'll undermine your own credibility. So building consistency with some habits, with an approach, uh, not a script. We're not going to try to force this too much. But... Um, just a few points, a few bits of insight, a few words, phrases, stories that people can share that, um, that will bring uh, more harmony. You know, it can get people, as we say, on the same page. So that's where I look at it. So look for evidence that your message sounds like everybody else's. You're not differentiated. That you're, if, if it feels like you don't have enough people helping share the word, then okay, let's feed that system of of messengers and stop the crickets from chirping so loud. And then, uh, and then let's build some consistency and, and try to understand if everyone's on the same page, okay, what should be the things on that page that they all know and believe? Great. So as we start to wrap up, you know, I like to talk about the uh, challenges on, on this, you know, this uh, kind of like, what's the, uh, what's the, well, learning by example, in your case, because you talk about it in your book, learning by examples of even companies that we well known, you know, we get, they get their messages messed up and they have to write their course. You call yes. it uh, mangled messages. Mangled messages, yes. Yeah, so maybe use one of those examples of, of a mangled message to kind of pull this all together for us as we wrap up here about how they got it wrong and then got it right. You bet. Um, and, and with a bit of a caveat, I don't want your listeners to worry too much about getting it wrong. Most of the mangled messages that I have in the book are people who are hiding stuff or they're, they're, they're not telling the truth. That's the trust Power. factor. 
there's trust a factor trust gets trust lost factor. and they have to get their message back because the trust factor's been That's lost. right. One of them I talk about was uh, PBS, Public Broadcasting Service. And uh, they were having a, it was a July 4th, they do an annual, um, it's, it's, they get the orchestra and they have fireworks and they have a big show that goes out across the country on Independence Day. And uh, it was a couple of years ago where um, at that time, there was scaffolding around the U.S. Capitol dome that was in the background. Uh, they were doing renovation work on the Capitol. And it was a, it was a cloudy night in Washington, D.C. when this, this live concert was going on in the fireworks. And then they showed these visuals of fireworks against this cloudless sky. And you saw the, the Capitol dome lit in the background with no scaffolding. And, and, and some people were going on social media, Twitter especially, and going, did the orchestra get rid of the scaffolding and the, and the clouds? Um, so PBS, and it was not a huge thing, but PBS was saying this was a live broadcast. But what they didn't say was they took clips from prior years and put them in there so it would look better on TV. And so, um, it, you know, again, small thing. There was no reason to do that. And, you know, always... Just, just tell the truth. That's a, so I don't think any of your listeners would, would have any problem with that. Um, my encouragement, uh, again, is that this is a manageable issue. Um, I tend to think of a playbook approach for yourself, your team, uh, and others like that. So just codifying, getting onto a screen, getting into a document, what are the most important things that they need to know? You know, who, who is an ideal customer for you? How would you find them? Um, what are the unique ways that you serve? How people can help if they're interested in doing that? doesn't have to be, you know, well, I've, I've done extensive messaging playbooks for complex organizations. I've done one-sheeters, you know, that I've helped um, a, a startup or an entrepreneur go through just to get some clarity there. It's a, it actually becomes an energizing exercise. People begin to get real about it, and they get excited about it all over again. And I'd also say, in terms of getting out of the bubble, talking to other people who can tell you the truth, and tell you if something sounds a little stuffy or stilted or technical rather than conversational and understandable. And, um, and, and people who you engage in putting your playbook together will get more and more excited about your business or your idea, and they'll help you with it even more. So you'll create messengers in the process. Right, that word of mouth, that ever important word of mouth. So. Absolutely. So all of this has kind of come from, you asked me earlier about, you know, where did this come from? I've got a uh, I got a PhD in, in mass communication, and a lot of it comes from audience research and understanding that. In terms of when I was a, a chief marketing officer in a, in a private company, knowing the, the frustrations, the practical aspects of how do you get this to work, you know, through your sales team, going through distributors, partners, and investors, and, and all of that. And then the past decade plus, Karen, I've been uh, consulting, speaking. And, um, and advising. And so I've seen this around a lot of different industries. I'm very confident that the, the foundational pieces here will be of value uh, to your listeners. And they don't necessarily need me, uh, but you can have the, have the structure and go through this yourself. And I think it'll give you a much higher chance of success. Yes. Oh, great. So everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in. The book again is The Science of Customer Connections. Managing Your Message to Grow Your Business. Of course, that's Jim Carr, K-A-R-R-H, and the website is the name, jimcarr.com. And again, I'm Karen Rands, uh, helping entrepreneurs and investors create wealth through entrepreneurship for many, many years. And uh, my website is karenrands.co. I want to encourage you to get his book. 
uh, get my book if you're trying to figure out how to be uh, get a part of this entrepreneur action and be an investor inside secrets to angel investing uh, thank you very much for being on the show Jim I, I learned a lot so I'm certain that my audience learned a lot and I'm looking forward to staying in touch Absolutely, Karen, and, and congratulations to your listeners for what you're doing to drive the economy and drive your own success as well. Well, thank you very much. All right, everybody, that's it. Onwards and upwards. Thank you for listening to the Compassionate Capitalist Podcast Radio, where we encourage individual investment in entrepreneurs to create generational wealth and best practices for small businesses to succeed. Help us spread the word about compassionate capitalism by sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues. The Compassionate Capitalist Podcast is available on most podcast platforms, including iTunes, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and many more. In production for over 10 years, there are over 180 episodes available for your listening and educational pleasure. With over 130,000 downloads, this podcast is rapidly becoming the top podcast for investors and entrepreneurs to get the information they need to create generational wealth through entrepreneurism. This podcast is brought to you by the Business Power Tools, which offers an online collaborative environment for leadership teams to prepare business plans, marketing strategies, financial modeling needed to attract capital and scale a business. Also, Lindio as a entrepreneur's resource portal providing access to dozens of lenders offering short-term and long-term debt to help business owners manage their financial cash flow and growth capital needs. BizX, creating affordable advertising resources and other tools for entrepreneurs to succeed and create awareness and trust with their customer base. And Launch Funding Network, part of Cougarand Capital Holdings, is a network of hundreds of angel investors, investor clubs and networks, venture capital firms, private equity funds, family offices, investment bankers, and lenders. Please visit karenrands.co to learn more about the Launch Funding Network and our sponsors and to sign up to get our Compassionate Capitalist Coffee Break and learn more about how we can help you succeed.